Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This episode of The Kindness Project was recorded live on Facebook during lockdown, which explains why we're probably still talking about being stuck indoors. I hope you're enjoying your time outside to the fullest, and thanks for listening to The Kindness Project. This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about podcast charts, accents, and we are joined by Adrian Wright. Hey. hey, hey dudes, um, good, hey morning. Dude. <laughs> good morning, 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 welcome to The Kindness Project. I'm joined by a girl who is comedic, oh, oh we're on live are we? We yeah. are live. There's got to be a better way of doing that. Um, testing I, our volume. I, I am joined by a girl who is both comedic and philosophical, it's Charlotte Dames. And I'm joined by a man who thinks... I'm just going to make a mention about the top 50, and then I realised that my sentence wasn't grammatically correct. What what sentence were you, were you going to have that was... Li- I was going to say... I don't know, it's gone. All oh, right. I was going to say something about the top 50 and 200, about comedy and philosophy. All oh, right. I, and I, did, I, did I steal your thunder there, you talking about what? comedic and uh, being comedic and philosophical? I so, can rework it because so, you said it already. Welcome to the Kindness Project Live. Um, if you're watching on the uh, on the live stream, thank you. Yes. If you're the like three, a, the a, three people watching for the, for, <laughs> for the three, for the three, I think uh, one of those might be us. Um, uh, that are watching live, thank you um, for the um, a few more audio listeners. Thanks for continuing to listen. We really, really appreciate it. And I just want to um, thank our comedic and philosophical guest today. It's Adrian. How are you, mate? Thank you for having me on. No, you're more no, than welcome. I really, really appreciate you coming on. So, uh, we might as well do our parish notices and stuff we need to talk about um, first. The reason we our introductions were about comedy and philosophy is because we have popped up in the Apple Podcasts philosophy and comedy charts and we were talking earlier uh, before we start recording that if there was a comedy philosophy podcast chart maybe we'd be all right what rec- what place would uh, we I get mean, you don't you probably have to contend with like you know some fiction podcasts yeah. some like talk shows with comedians i mean i, t- I tell you where i want to be we we did get Spotify's 17, 17th happiest podcast yeah. in the world. So if we could get, I don't know, 16th? 15th. Is that, <laughs> is that too ambitious? 14th? Top 15. Yeah, top 10. Top 10. Top 10. We'd want that. So, so yeah, so thank you for everybody for getting involved, watching and listening to the show. Uh, that is our brand of, apparently, comedy philosophy. That's what we're, we're going for. Um, and thank you to... Um, the guys at kindness.org it's an organization based in new york who sent me a lovely email about the podcast yesterday um they're going to be guests on the podcast coming up hopefully we can have them live but i don't know how the time difference is going to work with new york Good work. Bada yeah. Bing. So so yeah, we've got bada bing. A very New Yorky <laughs> bada bing bada boom. Forget about it. Um that wasn't my intention. We, at oh, all, you, you know, know you know what? We shouldn't try accents. We shouldn't You shouldn't try we, accents. I don't try accents. Adrian, are you any good at accents? Absolutely not. You're not you're not bringing me into that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm not the only one who refuses to do it. See, I, I, I think I think my 
I said, my brother is not too bad, actually. But that's the only one that I'm going to do. Um, and I want to I wanna, I wanna just understand a little bit, a bit about... So, sorry, one unofficial question of the podcast. We'll get into question of the podcast in a minute. But one unofficial question of the podcast is, um, uh, can you do accents? And if so, what's your favourite accent? Now, what I might do is make that an official question of the podcast in the future and get people to send us audio files of them doing accents. Well, there was a point in time where I could do several different Pokemon and it was like the most embarrassing thing. Give it a go. No. What Pokemon can you do? Like, I can't do like accents, but like, um, like, you know... Go on, give it a go. I'm very tired this morning. Anyway, um, so like, you know, the, the typical Pikachu one. Go on then. Oh my god, okay. Okay. He's going, he's going, he's going me, okay. Uh, it's not very good. Give it a go. <sighs> I shouldn't have mentioned anything. So that sounds nothing like Pikachu. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have mentioned anything. That, that doesn't sound fine, like Pikachu. Fine. <laughs> um, it's not the coronavirus, don't worry. <laughs> Anyway, Adrian, are you ready? Yeah, no, I'm stalling as long are you re- as possible. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this Pikachu impression? I will wait all day, literally. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> it's not good. Why don't you give it a go and then I'll follow after you. Pikachu. There we go. That's my one. Move your one. Pikachu. Ow, oh, that hurt. <laughs> I've never, I've never heard Pikachu go. Pika, that hurt. <laughs> I've never heard that. Anyway, unofficial question of the podcast is unofficial question of the podcast is what accents can you do? Official question of the podcast is um, uh, what's your favourite gif or emoji? And do you want to tell our audience where they can uh, speak to us? Okay. So, if you're currently watching this, you are on our Facebook page. Welcome, you guys. But if you're not, our Facebook page can be found if you just took the Kindness Project podcast into the top bar and it should yeah, be the first one that pops yeah, up. Yeah, On Twitter, we are at Ola Kindness. Um, you haven't said any objections to that in a while, and I'm wondering why, and it makes me a little bit like, is he going to object one of these days? And like, No, he's just no, given up trying. Carry on. Um, so on Instagram we're also at Ola Kindness. Uh, our email is Ola at the kindnessproject.co.uk. That's Ola with an H, H O L A, just so you know. Um, and then if you just put the Kindness Project podcast into the search bar of Google. Yeah. Sorry. Um, do you keep giving me elbow nudges <laughs> like, go on, keep going, look. I'm waiting for your Pikachu impression again. Um, <laughs> yeah, or. Or you can get us on www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. All of our previous hundred odd episodes are there um, with some amazing guests doing fantastic work in the world. Um, Hi to Barry. Morning to Barry. Morning to Jess. Morning to Dave. Morning to Andy. Morning to Andrew. Really appreciate you watching the show. Um, Especially uh, considering we're... An hour later than we usually we are, are. We are we are a bit later than we normally are, so thanks for tuning in live. We we appreciate it. Yes. Uh, so the question is, what is your favourite uh, GIF or emoji? Feel free to post on the live yeah. page. Uh, Adrian, what's your favourite GIF or emoji? It's funny, because I often um, sign off with the standard sort of little smiley face and a kiss, 
which is a bit odd because you have to be aware that's not really an appropriate way when you're communicating with some business people <laughs> to uh, wrap up with a smiley face and a kiss and that, that happens occasionally. Quick question, why not? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Why not? Yeah. Um, and, but actually, the one I really like um, is, you know, there's the little round yellow face, obviously, and just the two little eyes. I think that's a, quite a more cryptic one. So I use that occasionally. I'm not sure why, but uh, I, I just like the look at that little uh, him or her. Yeah, you know, you know what? I think I think emojis are there to confuse a bit. Do you know what I mean? I've had I've had messages with emojis, and you go, "Why is it a purple heart? Or why is it a, like? Why have they used?" I always use the green ones. Yes, yeah. you know what I'm disappointed about. I've never had a message from Adrian or an email with a kiss and uh, a love heart. I'm, I'm I'm disappointed, mate. I don't use it at all, but I. I... Up for it with the next one. <laughs> Thank you, we appreciate it. I don't use it at all, but this bit, there's this very entertaining gif of Spider-Man dancing, and if you listen to it, any song you listen to it to, it dances to the beat, and it's great. Does it? Yeah. Oh, amazing. I'll have to, I'll have to give that a go. Um, my my favourite, and this is the one, um, the one I use the most, um, is um, uh, the laughing emoji. Okay, but I still don't know the difference. Maybe you can educate me on that. Uh, with the laughing emoji where the face is straight compared to the slightly tilted laughing emoji. This this is laughing. Yeah. This is laughing so much you're falling over. Ah, right. Is that I waffle? Assume. Is that low and that's ruffle? I is assume it? so. Alright, okay, fair enough. Um and I think my favourite gif is definitely Fresh Prince of Bel Air related. It's only clay um um, doing the dance, you know, it's not unusual dance. It's not unusual. Yeah, that one. What's yours? Huh? What's your favourite gift? Uh, favourite gift that I send? Spider-Man. Spider-Man, because it's so funny. Yeah. Um, Because you just, you're sitting there listening to a song, it could be a really slow song, and he still somehow manages to dance to the beat. Fair enough. It's great. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I like, I like the really, like, I, I usually just type into the search bar what I'm thinking and it comes up with loads of these like sassy responses and I just kind of go although, yeah. the, although the word I put in isn't sassy it's like yeah it's always a sassy gif yeah fair enough okay so we'll, we'll look forward to your answers on that mm-hmm. just want to cover off uh uh, thank you to Mr. Dave Forsdyke, who never lets us down yes. to any silver linings. And we've got a few more today. Over the last few weeks, my wife has been waking up early and telling me how loud and beautiful the dawn chorus is. And that's something I've noticed. Like, mm. the literally nature has seemed to... Uh, Come alive and, with the sounds and, of music. And, and I don't know about you, but definitely an increased prominence in my life. Like, when I'm going out for my runs... I'm sort of just contemplating nature more. Adrian, are you feeling that as well? Absolutely. It's um, it's such a funny time, isn't it? Because we were all talking about the um, the stress and the challenge and difficulty, which is understandable. It's not a pleasant time to be in at the moment. But, um, yeah, there are little things like that that we're all noticing and we really need to keep hold of somehow. So it's going to be interesting with the economic bounce back. Of course, we want that for people's livelihoods. But how can we balance that with, you know, this appreciation for nature, which seems to be skyrocketing? Yeah, maybe, I mean, 
again, we can talk about this a little bit later on, but maybe more of a focus on changing the way we travel. Because um, certainly, I think. Do you want to take your hoodie off live on the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. all good. Um, uh, but changing the way we travel might be one of those issues. And certainly, one of the things that I'm encouraged about is. And again, I know it's not practical for everybody, but people cycling, walking and running more um, as opposed to taking their car unnecessarily. I think that would be an interesting change. Um, um, One other um, thing is Food Cycle uh, is a charity that that turns surplus food from supermarkets and grocery stores into healthy meals and hosts community dinners for the hungry and the lonely. They adapted to the lockdown and now deliver food parcels to those in need. Amazing work. Well done, Food Cycle. We'll put a link to the work you're doing on the show notes. Um, and thanks to Dave for mentioning that. Uh, quick shout out to Sharon, who in our local community, Sharon Adkins, who in our local community is doing some amazing work like that. And certainly Cassie and I are going to be contributing to the amazing work you do um, uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, and the changes in lockdown restrictions mean we can go out and exercise more. Uh, gyms are still closed, but one gym owner in Illinois has let members take equipment home for free. Drew Whitted, owner of the Be Strong Gym, said if our members can't come in, we want to take it home and keep training. Now, interestingly, my gym, uh, Squad Fitness in Hornchurch, has been doing that. They've been giving out kettlebells. I had my own kettlebells, so I didn't need to worry about that. Um, the weird thing is for me um, I didn't realise how loud I was when I was training out in the back oh, garden yeah. Yeah. And, and on VE day we had a sort of socially isolated street party and everybody's now calling me Joe Wicks because apparently I make some weird noises as I'm exercising in the garden um, but yeah certainly how are you um, how are you keeping fit and healthy during lockdown Adrian well, I must confess, I um, I work out a bit like an OAP, to be honest. Um, lockdown or no lockdown, it is sort of walking and cycling for me. Actually, I haven't said that. I did join the gym um, a while back, and uh, I have been going for a while, but I'm not a great fan, so I think I'll, I'll probably do a year to, to work on the belly and uh, and then back to just walking, walking and cycling, uh, sort of. Mild and often is, is my approach. Yeah, you know what? It's really interesting. I mean, there's a couple, couple of things there. Um, firstly, uh, you say you cycle like, like an OAP and you can't do that without a basket on your bike. So have you got one of those? I've got two. Ah, hey. Amazing. And actually, there's loads of research that talks about um, the benefits of moderate exercise. So one of the one of the bits of research, and there's an amazing book on it, and I'll put a link on the show notes, talks about places in the world that are blue zones. Have you ever heard of that phrase? Have I ever talked to, talked to you about that before? No, never. Adrian, do you know what a blue zone is? Blue zone? Yeah, um, clearly not. <laughs> I, I lingered too long there. I lingered too long. He didn't know, and I don't, I don't know what I was waiting for an answer. But blue zones are parts of the world um, where um, uh, people live a lot longer and healthier than average. And there's these li- tiny little places where um, people uh, people do this. One of them is um, uh, a small island of Japan. One of them's a, a small island of Greece. 
There's a place in Canada um, where they do that. And interestingly, these blue zones have, there's been research into it and they've got some common themes. And one of those themes has been um, moderate exercise for longer. So making sure that, and, and along with a plant-based diet and um, strong community links and all of the stuff we know is good for us. Um, but I'll put a link to the amazing, it's one we share with our clients from a, from a business because uh, as they approach retirement, it's good to live longer, healthier lives. Um, so I'll get something over on that, Adrian. It might be an interesting read for you. Absolutely. When, now you mentioned that, I... Um went through a little phase about a year ago of reading up on Ikigai, the Japanese philosophy for a, for a long life. And um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it's uh, little and often. And I realised I may, may have offended some OAP listeners. Um, I'm sure there's many out there that are probably actually far fitter um, than I am, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't worry about offending anybody, mate. We do that pretty well on, on our own so so apologies to any OAPs who are super fit you know what I remember doing a 10k once a few years ago when I was a little less fit and there was this guy who was in front of me who was who was, who was 72 how did I know he had it on his t- shirt I'm 72 and still running still competing I was like he, he was super fit so you, I, you once I got, agree you'd once got outrun by someone dressed as the Mona Lisa I did, yeah. I did. Paris Marathon, yeah. three years ago, there was a... You did almost get beat up by a baguette, though. There, so. there, there was a fella with an Eiffel Tower on his head who, who beat my time, a fella dressed up as a Mona Lisa who beat my time, and a bloke in a tutu, so that's, uh, that's embarrassing. On that note, should we ask Adrian some questions? That'd be, that'd be good, wouldn't it? You know, it's just, it's just my job as your child to embarrass you. It's... It is, it is. I mean, what you haven't done today is do too many cynical eye rolls, which I'm a bit disappointed about. You just haven't been looking enough, mate. <laughs> I need to be cheesier, clearly. Adrian, um, thank you for coming on and being our guest. Um, we, uh, we know that you're an expert in mindfulness, and one of the things that we try and talk about on the podcast, as well as sharing stories of people doing amazing stuff in the world is how to be a bit kinder to ourselves, and certainly i see mindfulness as a part of that so thanks for coming on and sharing your expertise with our audience before we start talking about how you can help people tell us a little bit about you so um, I was thinking maybe we might do a practice, Chris, but should we do that at the end, do you reckon? When, when would you like to do it, mate? It's entirely your choice. Uh, I'm kind of feeling now. If you, uh, you and Charlotte are happy to go with that. All good. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. All good. Brilliant. Right, so it'll only be a few minutes, but I'll just guide um, yourselves and anyone else that's listening and anyone that tunes in later through a, a very quick practice, just a few minutes. I am going to use what's called a singing bowl um, to start and finish the practice. So you often have this this sound at the beginning and end of a practice. And there are different reasons for using a sound at the beginning and the end of a a meditation. And the one that I most frequently share is it really is a, a point in saying this is a point now where I'm just going to tune in to myself and my own experience. So rather than worrying about the Adrian that has to be a husband and a dad and an employer and etc etc 
actually this is now just a few minutes where I'm just going to be with me. That's it. Nothing else. And then we ring the bell again, and then that's a point to come out and, and engage with life. So um, having to listen to this sound and just sitting comfortably, maybe with the eyes closed, if you're comfortable to close the eyes, or otherwise a soft gaze down towards the table or the floor. This is why one of us needs to keep our eyes open. So taking a moment to check in with your body, mindfulness is often linked to the mind and mental health and what have you, but actually most practices we really tune into the body rather than the mind. So noticing if any parts of the body are holding on to any tension or tightness and letting those go. And taking one or two slightly deeper, fuller breaths. <laughs> and noticing if with the focus on the breath, the body's let go of any tightness. something to focus on, something to become aware of. So just taking a moment to notice the feet and the contact between the feet and the floor. And expanding that to include the contact between the body and the chair. sense of being grounded here. The mind can flit off into yesterday or tomorrow. The body has to be here. And moving the awareness up the body noticing the stomach or the chest, perhaps noticing how the body is very gradually moving, each in-breath and each out-breath. able to notice how there's a very slight pause at the end of each in-breath and at the end of each out-breath.
presently expanding that awareness. Become aware of the whole body sitting here, breathing in and breathing out. Noticing the edges of the body, noticing the space around the body, becoming aware of the sounds in the room. Listening to this sound, and this sound being an invitation to move from this internal focus to an external one. That was that was really good. That felt quite relaxing actually. That was really good. I'm on for a nap now, so I'm gonna let Charlotte finish the rest of the okay. rest of the show. Um, but yeah, that, that was a that was a good <clears throat> that was a good example of how actually just finding some space in the day just to re- sort of contemplate and stay silent is super important, right? Well, that's it, absolutely. I mean, that was five minutes, um, and there's a practice that's three minutes long, um, and just taking those little moments to, to check out. We're so continuously switched on. I mean, even in lockdown uh, with the technology, we can be continuously switched on, which is great. I mean, you know, I'm not anti-technology, and um, it's brilliant that you can connect up with people. Um, it's wonderful that older people get getting... Uh, more au fait with their um, tablets and laptops and what have you. Again, probably more au fait than I am. And they're able to communicate with family still and family across the globe. So um, so that connection is brilliant, but we also have to be aware that being continuously switched on can be a bit exhausting. So um, just sort of switch out of that occasionally and just yeah. notice yourself breathing and being can be a, a useful it's interesting because I've had a couple of conversations about this over the last couple of days. Because um, I, I get, and again, when we spoke to Nick Elston, who yeah. is uh, on the pod- podcast talking about anxiety, stress, and mental health, one of the things we spoke to him about was how you need to take a break from the technology um and certainly a couple of people i've spoken to over the last few days have have, have been getting a bit zoomed out because they're spending so much time on it so taking that time away from the technology i think is important as well right yeah yeah absolutely i had a tip recently which was every 20 minutes take your uh, eyes off the screen and look into the distance i mean it may not be that distant if you're in a in a room but take the gaze away from the screen a bit focus in the distance for a little while um which will just have your give your eyes a bit of a rest from that close focus um or of 
course of week just done you could shut your eyes um could be just for 10 15 seconds so um yeah it's when we it's interesting communicating through a screen is although you're physically distant it's actually quite intense in a way you yeah. really are engaged with whether it's a group or an individual it's it's a level of attention that's very um, very intense yeah. so it's, it's no wonder that it is quite exhausting yeah absolutely um so um while we're um talking about this stuff help our listeners and us understand a little bit more about you so i am um, 48 years of age and uh, i have an adult son which i'm still sort of recovering from he, he turned 18 uh, a few months ago and i'm still in disbelief <laughs> my son is an adult um, and so I've got Oliver, 18, and Emily, 16, and then um, Hayden, the baby of the family, but I, I, I don't think he'd be happy with that title. He's, uh, he's 12. Okay. And um, married for, let's get this right, or I'll be tra- in trouble. Uh, married for 19, 19 years, and um, for that time, Nikki, Nikki, my wife, has had me on what she calls the husband training program. <laughs> I thought I was quite near the end of this this program but she reliably informs me there's um there's still some way to go yeah i've uh, i've i've quit that program because i was never going to pass um just to, just know. just to get you uh, just to get you in more trouble adrian how many how many months and days have you been married I'm, mate, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't answer that. Because um, the 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 right response is to ask me, and I I don't know either. Um, and and the right how response is to say something sappy like not long enough or. And that and that's why that's why I failed the husband training <laughs> program because because I clearly clearly I haven't got answers. How long have I been married? Not long enough. Not long enough. Um, uh, tell us, um, tell us. <laughs> sorry, one when you're when you're 19 years into the husband training program, what do you learn? Well, it's um, the main emphasis is actually on DIY and gardening. <laughs> that's not what happened. In that, that's that's why I failed. <laughs> That's definitely why I failed. Um, That's it. It's, and, it's, uh, apparently the way to a man's heart is, is through his stomach and, and cooking. And um, I think the way to a woman's heart is definitely by putting up a decent shelf and uh, painting a decent room. So, uh, so yeah, I'm getting better, but there's still room for improvement. But I'm just I'm just looking at Cassie's face. He's on the edge of the room, and yeah, I've definitely failed the the husband training program. Um, now, now what I wanted to do is talk to you, and thanks for that amazing example of, of mindfulness in action. But talk to me about some of the work you do, both with individuals and in organisations. So I've been well, I've been practicing mindfulness for eleven years and training people for uh, just over six and that started in the education sector so um, I'm an ex-teacher and and still do a little bit of of teaching part-time so initially it was bringing mindfulness into schools and colleges students and uh, teachers working with their their stress and anxiety levels I've also talked with the NHS to our our wonderful NHS workers so that's helping them to again uh, manage their their stress anxiety levels it's also very much around um, self-compassion because people that are in those types of job can, jobs can often suffer from what's called compassion fatigue 
where you're continuously giving all the time, which is also a nice thing to do, but it can lead to burnout when you're all the time giving love and care um, and perhaps not, not making sure yeah. that you're giving enough to, to yourself. And then more recently, in the last few years, I've been working in the workplace as well. So companies working with individuals one-to-one, but also um, small teams in companies. Yeah, and I suppose, I, suppose, I suppose the point you make about caregivers is right, isn't it? You know, you like there needs to be an element of focus on being kind to yourself so you can be increasingly kind to others. Yeah, absolutely. They, um, when people often ask to put mindfulness in a nutshell i think it's around i mean the starters the, the practice is important but the practice isn't a, a, an end in itself it's just the means really it's just the path so yeah really true mindfulness is around well what decisions can i make in my life that are the right decisions for me but also the right decisions for those around me and, and that's a, an easy thing to say but it's actually a really difficult balance to strike mm. because um you know, at times perhaps you may have to do something that's more for yourself and perhaps it's not great for those around you, but you do need times to, to look after number one and then other times it might be more important to put yourself second or third yeah. and give to others. So Bit. the balance between those two things is um, it's quite a tricky thing to get right and mindfulness that doesn't have a right answer for that, but it can help you to notice that and to work towards yeah. balance between those two things. Yeah, I think balance is the is the catchword there, isn't it? You know, making sure that you're conscious that you need to maintain that balance. Help me understand how you found mindfulness, and um, how did you discover the power of it? So, I eleven years ago, I had what's commonly called a, a nervous breakdown. But really, in the, the psychiatric profession, they don't tend to use that that phrase. So, um, the, the medical term was a depressive collapse with elements of psychosis. So, I was I was quite ill. I was on three lots of medication, and as I was getting better before I returned to the workplace, I, I had an occupational therapist. That's the last stage of your recovery, if you like. It was absolutely, absolutely wonderful person. One of those people that was just beyond their uh, beyond their job role, and she gave me a CD of meditation. So I started practicing that. Started doing a little bit of CBT, cognitive behavioural therapist. Um, sorry, cognitive behavioural therapy. A, a little bit of that, and a little bit of yoga, and um, recovered, and then returned to the workplace. And interestingly, I had a follow-up meeting with my psychiatrist, and he said. Adrian, what was interesting about with your recovery is you fell very ill when you got better, but it was very much in a straight line. You didn't relapse as you got better. And usually with mental ill health, there are relapses on the way to recovery. And um, at the time, I didn't really link that to mindfulness. I thought that was interesting, but um, you know, I didn't necessarily link it to that more than the medication or, or anything else I was doing. And then I heard about Professor Williams' work a couple of years after that, he works in, in the NHS delivering what's called mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. And his particular focus was, let's use mindfulness to get people well alongside medication, but then also to keep them well. So medication's great and it's very useful, but um, where's the, the tools and the mechanism for staying healthy afterwards? Yeah. Um, so it was interesting, actually, that that was my experience. Even though I wasn't on that program officially, that was my experience with mindfulness. And then as I carried on practicing it, 
practicing and, and staying well, I noticed all these other benefits. So it wasn't just around stress and anxiety reduction, but I noticed I was calmer. I worked with colleagues, more able to listen to people more fully, um, less snappy with my children. So all these other little sort of benefits yeah. came along as, as you carry on practicing through the uh, months and years. It's the, the mental health thing is interesting, isn't it? Because we... Charlotte and I actually a couple of years ago now went to the Hay Literary Festival and we saw a guy talk uh, called Joe Hanahari was his name something like that yeah. and he wrote a book called Lost Horizons talking about how sometimes the medical professions go to when it comes to mental health is have a pill when actually the non um, pharmaceutical uh, ways of managing our own mental health which thankfully we can talk a bit more openly about now uh, as opposed to suffering silence is the way to go and I, I, I think mindfulness certainly plays a part in that right oh massively massively this is it's fascinating watching the um, national conversation around mental health over the last well, certainly over the last 11 years since i fell ill but also um, there was mental ill health in my family as well, so I've been around it, if you like, uh, all my life. Um, so really observing the, the changes we've had through the, the decades as a nation. And um, it's wonderful that we're having more open conversations about it now. But um, also I think we also need a more what the right word is, I, I want to say complex conversation, but that's not really the right word, but certainly inviting different angles. And um, I think one issue perhaps with talking about a mental health and mental ill health is that's very much a, a dichotomy splitting between two. Well, either I feel well or I feel ill. Yeah. And actually in life, really, it's it's more of a spectrum yeah. between those two. Um, it's very rare that people are... 100% really well all of the time in life and yeah. likewise it's still fairly rare that people fall really ill and need hospitalisation and what have you yeah. so we all live our lives sort of wandering up and down this, this spectrum and while medication will absolutely be useful when people have what's called an acute episode, perhaps something very um, dramatic has happened in their life and they'll need that medication at that point um but yeah, looking at other ways to keep yourself healthy is, is really, really important. Yeah. People would say, there's often this analogy with um, mental ill health, when, well, if you broke your leg, then you would put it in plaster, so we're with depression, then have antidepressants. And absolutely, that, that's right in many ways. But then again, if you kept breaking your leg, you wouldn't keep going back to the doctor and saying, oh, I've done it again, right back into plaster, right back into plaster. There would come a point where you would say, well, okay, why do I keep breaking my leg? Um, yeah. Yes, I can go to the doctors and keep putting it in plaster, but perhaps I need to step back a bit and look at what's going on. Why, why am I injuring myself yeah. in this way? Yeah. Um, and the same with mental ill health. Um, absolutely use the support of um, our, our wonderful NHS and the medications, what have you. But if that's happening continuously, I think that I had a wonderful phrase recently, which was, there's meaning in suffering. Mm. There's meaning in suffering. So if you're finding yourself continuously dipping into, into low mood, perhaps there's something to reflect on there, something to notice, and yeah. 
may be something in your life that you do need to look to um, to work with and change. So, so all of these, there's no right or wrong, but all of these things we need to bring into the into the dialogue. And the yeah. But certainly the conversation needs to be more nuanced, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That that that's that's where we are. Charlotte, did you have a question? Yeah. So, um, why do you think that work workplaces are good? environments to practice um, I think it is well I think all environments are good I mean certainly you know, the home and, the, and schools hospital there, there's many environments what's interesting when you go into the workplace and work with teams is that very often the way you communicate in a mindfulness group will be very different to any other form of communication so we had a little five minute practice and when you do that in the workplace and then you come out of that and you carry on discussing um, the practice and perhaps do some other little activities with your colleagues it puts the team in a um, in a very different place and it's not once you work in the workplace in that sort of environment it's not not therapy so it's not the people that are necessarily sharing lots about themselves and their personal life and what have you but it is certainly a, a different way of communicating so when yeah. i go in and work in the workplace i don't tend to go in with powerpoints and, and lots of the, the sort of usual training tools it's still often very much sitting in a circle discussing things talking about what we might be finding difficult in our lives and, and then communicating in colleague, with colleagues in a support positive mental health? I think it is that, what I mentioned earlier, lots of little practices. So um, you may have noticed there are some articles in the press now, critical of... <laughs> it's funny, I lead a group on a Monday evening, um, people that have been in my courses can sort of drop, drop into this little group, this little half-hour group that we do. And... Um, one of the participants does have two pet dogs and she says every time we practice, even if they're quite li um, lively before the practice, during the practice they're just completely calm and usually they're laid down fall asleep. So they're getting involved as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, going back to um, practicing during this time, little and often I would say, especially if you haven't practiced before. So there have been some articles recently that have been critical of, of mindfulness and in many ways quite rightly so because when I read the detail of these criticisms it's often people that are under high levels of stress and then a mindfulness trainer has taken on taken them on a program where they'll be practicing meditations for 30-40 minutes may even go off and do a retreat and have long periods of silence and if you're in a very challenging place with high stress and anxiety levels yeah. you're immediately jump to long practices it's a little bit like saying oh, you know I, I want to get healthier i fancy running oh look there's a there's, there's a marathon in a month's time Why it's step by step isn't it yeah yeah 
So, um, so yeah, little, if you're starting out on the practice and uh, you're finding yourself stressed at this time, then you live little off to start with really short practices. And, uh... can, I, can I ask a, a question? And this is, this is just from my, from my understanding. Um, and, and this was over the last couple of years that I've understood a little bit more about mindfulness. But mindfulness, mindfulness to me, I think, and, and again, I'm probably not alone in having this perception of it, was seen as a more spiritual thing that perhaps I wouldn't have engaged with a couple of years ago. And I had a conversation with a colleague of mine who, who works within my business who actually changed my mind about that. Um, and um, said that um, said that um, yeah, it it's not actually spiritual. It's it's something a bit different. And 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 certainly, um, what were your thoughts on that? I, um, it's interesting. I, I, um, I just think that you couple of things to say so first of all something that I don't um, share too widely is that I do a lot of um, reading around Buddhist practice and Buddhist mind <laughs> and I, I don't share that too widely not because I don't want to but when you start talking about that people often then think okay mindfulness so it's Buddhist and so it's religious and um, and that would be a shame because if people don't come to the think there's a conflict with their religion Christian or Hindu or whatever it might be, that would be a real shame because, yes, mindfulness originated in Buddhism, even within Buddhism you can practice um, as a, a, mindfulness as a Buddhist practice and still not a religious practice, yeah. mm. but it is it's, uh, the Buddhist teachings around mindfulness and there's a lot to learn, so mindfulness is only one teaching of eight, um, and there's a lot of other things to learn there, so it's really I do follow Buddhism but I follow it more as a, a, an applied philosophy or psychology I think the other thing to perhaps touch on with spiritual is and what's nice nowadays actually is we're we're seeing the word spiritual it doesn't have to be spiritual and religious um, spiritual can be seen in all sorts of ways and we can interpret the word spiritual in our own way and I think very much if if you have close family and friends and I don't know your, your son or daughter comes home from school and you you give them a hug well why why is that not a spiritual moment so yeah spiritual for me isn't just otherworldly I think you can have this spirit a yeah. sense of spirit and spiritual in, in yourself and in your family and in your home well that that points to that emotional uh, well-being piece doesn't it and talking about actually making sure that we as humans we're nourished emotionally um, and that's something we should talk yeah. about on apparently one of the world's top comedy uh, philo philosophy podcasts it's the only one as far as we know okay moving past your saltiness <laughs> um, so what is one of the biggest misunderstandings about the practice of mindfulness right so um this, I'm going to throw you a curveball now, so, uh, well, I'll give two. So the one, the most common one, although I think this is dropping away a bit now, is the idea that it's clearing the mind and emptying the mind. So um, I think pretty much it's been put out widely that actually it's not about um, clearing the mind, stopping thought. It's more stepping back and noticing that actually during a practice the mind will still come along, 
still want to hijack your practice and think about what you did yesterday and your shopping list and your things to do list and all the rest of it. And that's just what minds do. And, and it's great that minds do that because, you know, it's very useful often, that thinking. So sit back and, and notice it. So I think that uh, misunderstanding has, has been already discredited. The curveball I'd like to um, put to you is more the recent... Um, understanding if you like has been very much it's all about present moment awareness so if you just put your mind in the present moment then all will be well and, and that's it and while that is an integral part of the, of the training so yes when we are practicing mindfulness we focus on the body and focus on the breath because it's only in the body and in the breath that you can be aware can't be aware of taking a breath yesterday or taking a breath tomorrow. So that is the training to very much bring the mind to the present moment because then that will increase awareness and you can look at the choices you're making in your in the moment and in your life and that will change change your decisions and change your life. So present moment awareness is very important, but it is quite a simplistic way of seeing the um, seeing the process or the method. So what I mean by that is it would be perfectly possible to have your mind in the present moment and be completely unmindful. So if you're with a group of people and you're sitting there and looking at the people and internally you're writing a gossip about, oh my goodness, I can't believe he's wearing that and I can't believe she's got that haircut, gossip and criticism is going on, that's not really a, a mindful mind. It may be present moment, but it's not, not particularly serving you or serving anyone else on the other hand you might be um casting your mind back to a time you spent recently or holiday or with a friend and you're fully aware that's what you're doing and you're you're absolutely mindful yeah so yeah you can be mindful in the past and in the future it's not just to say put your mind in the present moment everything's blissful is a bit too simple, I think. Yeah. Certainly for someone that's working with physical pain, the present moment can be very difficult. So the mindful thing there might be at times to distract yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mindful decision is to, is to put the mind somewhere else. So, um, so yeah, maybe that's my, my, my curveball of the day, that it's it's not just present moment aware. And one, one thing I was going to check, because... <laughs> I mean, we, Charlotte, I, so I don't practice mindfulness on a regular basis. So, yeah. Mm, no, I did, but I don't. Yeah. And, and actually, when you did your mindfulness practice before the interview, it took us a bit of time to stop snickering to ourselves. And I'm really sorry you about doing that. You with the software with your eyes closed. I, 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 shouldn't, I shouldn't play around the podcast software with my eyes closed. Um, uh, uh, but... Like, how much practice does it take to really get into? Because I'd, I'd imagine that we're not alone in terms of, in terms of, not really getting into it on their first attempt or after you haven't done it for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And the important message there is, um, well, it is noticing that really, noticing how, and this happens on every course I lead, whether it be online or face to face. Notice how there's immediately this sense of, okay, how much do I need to do in order to progress? Um, you know, what, what are the stages of this? When will I reach um, a certain stage of concentration or focus or being able to manage my, um, my stress levels and what have you? 
So the first thing to say is to really notice that, notice that that goal setting and that progress recording mind. And actually, mindfulness is genuinely letting letting go of that. So first of all, let go of any sense of right. Okay, once I practice for this amount of time, this this frequently then I'm going to find this, this, and this. Because what, what I've found over 11 years of practice, and I've listened to people that practice for 50 years, and it's still the same thing, it's not so much about reaching some complete Zen state. I mean, yes, it might be if you're a, you're a Buddhist monk and practicing for, for 10 hours a day, that might be a different thing. But for the rest of us, it's not, I'm, I'm going to really practice so much that I can absolutely have my mind 100% focused all the time. Yeah. It's not really yeah. that. So it's more about well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop in and do this when suits me, little and often, and then see what comes from it. So yes, it is good to have a, a discipline around it and to intend to do it daily because the problem being too ad hoc is you may not practice at all. And there is certainly benefit from having a regular practice. But if you set up and say, okay, I'm going to practice for 10 minutes every day, and you get 10 days in and realize you've done it once, then perhaps you need to change that. Perhaps you need to go down to a shorter practice, um, or perhaps you do need to think about, well, okay, what is going on in my, in my life that I can't find 10 minutes a day? And look at what message is there. Yep. John Capitin, who um, began secular mindfulness in the States, has this expression, not practicing is practicing. So when you're not finding time to practice, is a message there? What's what's going on? Why is it? Yeah. Can you do me a favour as well, Adrian? When you uh, when you launch your mindfulness for dogs course, um, right. can you let me know? Because it'll be. I'm sure. I'm sure Dexter, our, our little pooch. Okay. So where can people find out more about you? Okay. So uh, my website is at um, www.namisa.co.uk. Um, so N-I-M-I-S-A and Namisa means uh, mind script and mindfulness when it was originally uh, founded if you like uh, it was written down in an Indian language called the Sanskrit language so Namisa means in the blink of an eye so the idea is that it actually we train it in the blink of an eye you can catch your, your train of thoughts and, and read redirect them so um yeah check me out on on the Misa, and if you'd like to know more just pop me a little uh, email or message amazing thank you for joining us today and stick around because you definitely don't want to miss charlotte's joke at the end because apparently this one is the worst one we've had for the for the, for the last few weeks so so we look forward to we look forward to hearing that so a um, few few things we want to we want to do the uh, question of the um, question of the podcast, uh, which is what is your favourite um, emoji or gif? Um, and we've had a wide range of answers, so I want to I want to talk about um, some of them. Um, so uh, while he gets his while he gets his answers up, two seconds. Um, hi to Sean who's watching. Hi to Tracy. Hi to Andrew. Um, I don't know actually, um, but we've got a few um, a few people showing up. Hi. Hi, hi to Jess. Thanks for watching. We really appreciate it. Um, and I'm glad that uh, Adrian was, was on because certainly that conversation around, um, around mindfulness, um, I think 
it's so easy sometimes to just stay active and stay present and, and being kind to yourself is a fundamentally important thing to do um so uh what's your favorite gif and emoji um we've got some amazing answers here uh Stuart Winder has um has given us a um a really good one which is an artist with a paintbrush and one of the things i'm reading the book at the minute can you pass me that book uh take the gin off and then pass me the book um uh, i'm reading a book at the minute called i don't know if you've read it adrian it's called um flow by mahaley uh can you pronounce that surname no i believe it's chinsek mahaley yes yes that's thank you for bailing me out there um and and certainly interestingly he talks about getting in that flow state that mindfulness can help you get into right yeah absolutely yeah that's the state that a lot of artists and um athletes and musicians find themselves in quite naturally when they have a very high level of concentration and that mindfulness can help that now, in the, in the book, he talks about other ways you can do it, like reading and uh, thinking and writing. And There's a bunch of ways you get into that flow state, which apparently is contributes to our happiness. Um, but I am finding, particularly during lockdown, art. Uh, and, and I mean, I can't do them any good, but I'm enjoying the cathartic process of drawing and, 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 and colouring in. I sound like a five-year-old when I say colouring in, but um, certainly art is quite a cathartic process. So I like um, I like the art emoji at the minute. Andrew Berwick at the minute just said at the minute it's that... I, I, he's clearly going through a stressful time. Um, Louise McNamee has uh, given us a gif of Boss Baby reading the menu and then falling asleep. I think it's is, a file. Which is a good one. Um, and John Cook has gone old school with a uh, gif of Mike reading EastEnders naked apart from a bow tie. I don't know who he's sending that to, um, but it'll be interesting. Catherine Knowles has just got one with the slogan Fabuloso and somebody's drawing glitter. And Tracy Davies has gone for, hello, how are you? Everything all right? Like to hear from you. Love to see you soon. And obviously I miss you. And then on Twitter, we've got some really nice ones. I think Ian at Money Alive has misunderstood the question because it wasn't uh, what's your favourite emoji or gif he's answered gif gifs are better than emojis clearly wait that might just be um, Twitter uh, saying <laughs> no um, and then um, Laura Jane's on our final answer to the question of the podcast said Twitter has unleashed a new emoji um, and I didn't know about this um, and it's an emoji that allows us to express gratitude to our frontline workers so oh, yeah. now there's a, there's a new emoji on the facebook live as well oh is there yeah look this little one with the oh that's hugging the, the love one here. yeah so so there are uh, there is now a gratitude emoji that may become my favorite emoji now so uh, did you know about the gratitude emoji adrian no i um i'll be on that straight away that's um yeah yeah, it's good. So, so thanks for Laura for sharing that. Um, would you like to finish us off with this amazing joke? Now, uh, 
I don't know if you've got time to get your laughing boots on, Adrian, but <laughs> I wouldn't bother because they're not normally that great. But we're gonna, we're Charlotte's gonna give it, give it a go. Are you ready to be whelmed? Ready. Under. Whelmed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, why why was the maths book sad? Don't know. Why was the maths book sad? Because it had so many problems. <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> Thank you for our listeners for enjoying enjoying that particular joke. Um, uh, uh, thank you, Charlotte, for continuing to deliver. <laughs> Decreasingly. <laughs> no. Listen, have a lovely Friday. Thanks for joining us again on the Kindness Project. We're back a, Sunday. Um, I don't know when we're back. We'll, we'll post it online when we're back. Um, uh, but we've got some live shows next week, and we'll let you know when they, those are going to be. But in the meantime, have a lovely weekend, yes. and we'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks, Adrian, again. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>